Well, last week, Caitlin brought an awesome message about loving God and loving people, and I'm excited to continue that today. Uh, but today is Palm Sunday. One week out from Easter, Palm Sunday was, is like a celebration day, church, so we can give a little bit bigger woohoo for that. So it's Palm Sunday. Yes. Did you know that all four Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all record this occasion in the Bible, which was the triumphant entry is what it's called, what a lot of the current translations called in the Bible. But all four Gospels highlight it. Now, if you've read all four Gospels, you'll know that some of them carry some stories, some of them carry other stories, and there's a few things that make it into all four. Well, whenever I see something repeated in the Bible multiple times, it, it's a hint to me from God. It's like he's saying, hey, check this out. Like, seriously, pay attention. If you didn't catch it the last two times, here's it more, two more times, okay? Like, you want to see this. So today we're going to take a really good look at what Palm Sunday is, you know, how it relates to us, and how it ties into the great commandment of love God and love people. Towards the end of the service, we're also going to be participating in communion together. And so again, if you're joining us online, make sure you grab something to partake with as well, and we'll just, we can all join in together as one family then. Let me just pray before we jump into the message. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you had the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. I thank you that, you know, in a week from now, you died on that cross and you rose again victorious over sin and death. Lord, we give you glory and honor. We just pray that as we open up your word today, as we as we read the words that are in the Bible together, we just pray that you would be speaking something to each one of us. That wouldn't even be about the words that I'm speaking, but that you would have something special, something unique, something personal for each person here and each person joining online. So Lord, we just give you this message and we just ask that you'd speak. In your name, amen. So last week, Caitlin made this one statement that caught my attention. It might have caught some of yours too. But that, you know, the healing and the preaching and all the performing miracles that Jesus was doing, they weren't like the thing that was on the resume or on the, like, the job description of what he came to do. That wasn't the, the big thing that he was called to do when he came. And I actually agree with that statement. On his job description, if you want to look at it like that, um, the big thing or the thing that was on his bucket list was to redeem creation. That was the big picture goal of why Jesus came to earth, why God made himself flesh in Jesus. That's why he came. And he did that on Easter, as many of you know, when he took the weight of sin and death on himself, onto that cross, died, and then rose victorious, amen, three days later. So that's what Easter is all about, and that's the exciting good news story that we get to share with people in one week. Well, we're going to back up a few pages from that today because it is Palm Sunday. And while performing miracles, healings, and preaching weren't necessarily the thing on the job description, no, we could look at them as some of the tasks or some of the things that would help pave the way to accomplish the big picture. You know, even like when we were hired to become lead pastors at the church, Caitlin and myself, um, you know, we, we were given a list of things that were on our job description when we were hired. You know, one of them was to get online church happening, which it's happening, and we can see you. I, well, I can't see you. You guys can see us, though, which is awesome. But that was one of the things. But it's not like I just showed up and was like, 
boom, now we're live streaming. No, it doesn't work like that. It's, there's a process to things. You gotta build into it. You gotta, you gotta set the groundwork in order for the thing that you're really trying to do to be accomplished well. You know, the same thing is hap happens when you go paint a wall. I was a painter for 12 years, so there's a lot of work that goes into painting. I used to joke that, you know, when you're a painter, you do 90% prep work and 10% painting. <laughs> you know, you go paint a wall, you gotta patch it, you gotta sand it, you gotta mask things off so you don't wreck anything, and that's all tied into the prep work of what the actual thing was you're trying to accomplish. You know, another way to look at it um, was that Jesus was setting the stage. He was getting the stage ready for that main event. He was getting the stage ready and the people ready for the big thing he was about to accomplish. He spent the last three years preparing himself, his disciples, and his followers for that main event. All of these smaller things along the way, they were building faith into people. They were showing people that he truly was here for them. They were showing people that he truly does care for and love them. He was showing people that he's in it with them. He's with them. He was helping them gain an understanding of who he is and what he was about to accomplish. It was building trust into people. You know, if I just showed up here one day and you guys hadn't had the whole process you guys went through before I got here, um, you would have been like, who is this guy? I have no idea. But because there was a process, things happened before you know, we made the move to come here even. There was some trust there already. You know, it was showing the disciples and all of those other people, and I'll say this again, that he honestly, truly cared and loved for people. So now about three years in, we come to the final week of preparations. He's putting a lot of work up to this point. Three weeks or three years of work. He's in the final week of preparations. Jesus had just several days left before he was going to be taken to the cross. You know, before he was going to be before court and sentenced to, the, to death on a cross, which was a crazy set of events altogether. And Caitlin will likely touch on that next week. But I'm going to read a couple passages about Palm Sunday, or as in the Bible, it's called the triumphant entry. From both books, from both the books of Luke and John this morning to give two different perspectives of how that went down, okay? So Luke 19, verses 28 to 40, and I'm going to be reading from the NLT version today. It'll be up on the screen as well for you. So after telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of the disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. I find that part actually quite comical, um, that he just said to them, yeah, just go get the, go get the young colt, go get the young donkey, and you know, if anyone asks you why you're untying it, just say, oh, the Lord needs it. That would be like going to someone's house and like grabbing their bike. And then they ask you, what are you doing? Well, the Lord needs it. <laughs> Don't do that, okay? That's not the point here. <laughs> um, so they went and found the colt, just as Jesus said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? I, I, I imagine that there was probably like, like it was amped up emotion there. Like, hey, 
That's our cult. What are these guys doing? And they simply just, so they just were obedient and they're like, the Lord needs it. I don't know. So they took the colt to Jesus and they threw their garments over it for them, him to ride on. So they got the colt. It happened. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. All the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. Hey, they shouldn't be saying things like that. Who they think they are, right? He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Well, this makes me think of shouting from the rooftops. Caitlin used that term last week. Shout it from the rooftops. I don't want some rocks or stones to sing praise because I won't. I don't want some rocks or stones to say how good Jesus is because I wouldn't be obedient to do it. Now we're going to look at the same thing, but from John's perspective, okay? So the next day, or this is John 12, 12 to 19, I'm going to read this one from the English Standard Version. So I'm giving you two different accounts and two different versions just to kind of help us unpack this a little bit more. So the next day, a large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Now, Hosanna means, please save us. Please save us. Most of these people that were there at that point thought that Jesus was still there to, to save them from, from the Roman Empire. They thought he was still there, just come to save them from Roman rule in that time. And it was a party. People were excited. They were singing and dancing in the streets, waving palm branches and laying them down in all of their garments and stuff like that, putting out the red carpet for Jesus. And they thought that he was just coming to save them from the Romans. Imagine had they actually had the full picture that he was coming to save them from sin and death and to offer them eternal life. That would be a whole different kind of party going on. So when the people were laying down the, their garments and their palm branches on the road, it was actually symbolic of welcoming a conqueror or a king, like rolling out the red carpet. And that's kind of like what we're doing next week. We're rolling out the red carpet for all of our guests. We're saying, come into this place. Come meet the king, right? We're, we're welcoming people to come into this place next week. There's going to be coffee, just saying, and tea, if you like tea more than coffee. I like coffee more than tea, so I'm just, I want to put a sign on the wall that said coffee with little and tea at the bottom of it, <laughs> but uh, we hadn't got that far yet. Back to this, sorry, got distracted by coffee. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. You know, you could imagine the confusion when Jesus told them to go into that town, grab the young donkey that no one's ever ridden and bring it to him, right? It'd be like, I don't understand why we're doing this. Like, just ride a horse like someone normal, right? 
But when Jesus was glorified, when people started to sing and praise Jesus as he entered the city, they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. Jesus was fulfilling a prophecy that you can find in Zechariah 9.9. It says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. He fulfilled a prophecy by that simple act. It's amazing. So his disciples, they didn't even realize that when they got the donkey, just to be really super clear. They didn't realize that they were actually part of the fulfillment of one of Jesus' prophecies about him coming until he was already riding into the city and all the people were rejoicing that he was there. It's amazing. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was they had heard he had done this sign. So this is all coming back to those three years of ministry leading up to the triumphant entry you know, if Jesus had done all the little things, all the important little things along the way leading up to the big event, there wouldn't have been anyone to show up to the big event. They would have been like, well, who's Jesus? I don't know why he's dying on a cross, but you know, whatever, right? So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining, no you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. The Pharisees at this point realized that nothing they could do to stop the movement that Jesus had created. Nothing they could do could slow down what was happening in front of them. So I don't doubt if this was the point where the Pharisees actually started to think of ways where they could take out Jesus for good, right? Like they were starting to get in their mind that like, if we don't kill this guy, nothing's going to stop this. And boy, were they wrong because killing him didn't help either. <laughs> Our series right now is all about love God and love people. Jesus' followers were bearing witness. We're telling the story of what Jesus was doing among people. He was showing them what true love to people looks like. That's what Jesus was doing. He was showing people how to truly love one another, how to be in it with each other. You know, just like last month, we were talking about that beautiful mess. He was right in the middle of it all. When we hear good news, it's almost impossible not to share it, right? Caitlin talked about that last week too, but when we hear good news, if you heard that Jesus raised someone from the dead, I don't think that you could contain that to yourself. I couldn't. I'd be like, that person was dead, like dead, dead. Not like Wesley dead from Princess Bride where he was mostly dead and was only alive because of true love. No, he was dead, like wrapped up in a tomb, dead, dead. And he came back to life. It's amazing. Sorry, had to go there. Jesus bringing Lazarus back to life was such an amazing thing, and still is, that those who were around couldn't help but continue telling others about it. Showing love is attractive. When we show love to other people, it is attractive. When we are kind to other people, it is attractive. Caring for the people around us is attractive. You know, doing something like the movie night we did on Friday night. You know, it, we weren't preaching Jesus to anyone, but we were just showing love. 
We were caring for our community. We were giving them a place to just gather and come to where they could be in community with one another. And they got to see that, oh, actually the inside of a church building isn't that scary. And I didn't burn up instantly when I walked in the doors because that doesn't happen. It's not a real thing. <laughs> uh. People had come to see Jesus, to love on him as he came, rolling out the red carpet. They were rejoicing together, praising God together. The people were starting to get that Jesus was there to save them, but not out of obligation. Jesus was not obligated to save anyone. He saved people because he loved them. He saved people because he cared deeply for them. He saved you and me because he cares deeply for us even today. He was there to save them because he loved them. And he is still here today, right? Because he loves us. So we can see how in Jesus' actions, people were starting to understand the love God and love people mentality. They were starting to, to get this picture of, hey, we could actually... We could do some of that. We could, we could be kind to some. We could go for dinner with someone. We could just hang out with that person. And then we could go to church later. And we could actually praise Jesus. Or we could just, you know, stand in the street and praise Jesus too, because that's cool, right? Stress. No. Jumping ahead a few more chapters in Luke, we find the Last Supper. I think Jesus wanted to make, like, really make sure that disciples really understand what it was to love God and love people. I think he really wanted them to have a really deep understanding of that mentality, to love God and love people. So we find this in Luke 22, 7 to verse 20, and we're going to read from the NLT version again. So now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go, pre go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat together. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. He replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him at the house he enters. Say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus said. And they prepared the Passover meal there. When I hear things like that, it makes me wonder if people who made video games these days actually read the Bible and got some of their storylines because, like, role-player games are very much like that. Just saying, you go somewhere and it's all set up for you. But when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table, and Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it and said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. 
God and people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Wow. We're going to prepare to do communion together today. But I want to point out just a couple things from this passage before we do. First of all, Jesus sent a couple people to prepare the meal ahead of everyone else. He sent a couple of them to go and get ready. Go get ready. You know, when we, when we prepare a meal for someone, we, we want to be prepared. We, we go ahead. We, we get ready before the people show up. So as even with Easter coming, we're preparing. We're getting ready. You know, we're getting coffee ready. We're getting Easter baskets ready. We're getting goodie bags ready. We're getting prizes ready. And we're getting our hearts ready. Right? We also need to anticipate people accepting the invitation. You know, they weren't just going ahead to make a meal that no one was going to show up to. Right? They were anticipating that people were going to be there. They were anticipating that people were going to come to the table, right? When I make dinner for my family, and it's, and it's dinner time, I call it dinner, supper, same thing for me, just saying, so it's not confused. I know some of you think dinner's lunch, and to me that's weird, but I'm from BC, so, you know, whatever. But when I make supper, and I invite, and I tell my family, it's supper time, I'm anticipating they're coming. And if my kids don't come, there will be consequences for them, but that's a different story. But when we make a meal, we anticipate people coming. Then they ate together. Our relationship with Jesus is meant to be not only with him, but with others too, right? It's not just that me and Jesus thing. It's when we come to the table, we're coming together as a family. We're coming together as a group of people. We're coming together to love God and love people. No, even when, when we think of a marriage, you know, marriage usually between man and wife, it's man, wife, and God, right? If Jesus isn't in the middle of our marriage, our marriage is going to have a rough go. We're doing it together, all of us. And then when we take communion, when we do communion, we should do it with others. That's how Jesus did it. Invite people to the table. It's one of the ways we can worship God. It's one of the ways we can love God. When we remember his sacrifice, remember what he did for us on the cross, when we thank him for what he has done, and we praise him for who he is. Because he didn't do it out of obligation, right? He did because he wanted to. He did because he loves us. It's who he is. So today we'll get ready to take communion. So those of you at home, Get whatever it was that you were able to get to do communion with us. And for those in the room, we have these prepackaged little things. So just a reminder, um, for those who haven't done it in a while, there's a really thin, clear tab on the top. Open that first. It's going to release the wafer. And then open the bottom. It's important to get that order right, or it's difficult to get the wafer later. Um, this is an important thing for us to do as Christians. It's an important thing for us to do as a church body, as Christ followers, because it was something that Jesus said to do in remembrance of him. 
And I can't help but think when the disciples did this with Jesus for the first time, and he was talking about how the bread was his body and the wine was his blood poured out for them, that they couldn't have helped but be a little bit confused in that moment because Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. But imagine the revelation when they gathered after and they did this again for the first time. Holy smokes, would that have been amazing. And now we get to do that as well, right? So as we take this wafer, as, or as we take this bread or crackers or whatever you have at home as well, we take this in remembrance of his body that was broken for us on that cross, his body that carried the weight of sin and death onto that cross for us out of his choice. Let's see it together. And then he gave them the wine. We use juice. <laughs> but same idea. You know, as we drink this juice, it's symbolic of his blood that was poured out for us. The thing that washed all that sin away. The thing that helped pave the way for us to become in good relation with God the Father again. That we can have eternal life in him when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. You know, in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, it says this, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. These were words of Jesus. So as we go to take this, I want to encourage you to have a little conversation with Jesus this morning and say, Lord, do I, am I holding unforgiveness? Is there someone I need to forgive today? Because I want to be forgiven by you as well, Jesus. So as we go to take this, I just encourage you, pray that. Ask God, you know, search my heart, Lord. So let's just take a moment, and then we'll take it together. Lord, show us if there's people that we need to forgive or situations we need to forgive. Help us have the strength and courage to extend forgiveness, fully forgiving, letting go of the offense entirely, Jesus, so that we can walk in full forgiveness with you as well. Let's take the juice together and in remembrance of his blood that was poured. Lord Jesus, we're just so thankful. We're grateful for your sacrifice for each one of us. Not one of us in this room deserved it. Not one of us joining online deserved it, Jesus. I am no better than any other person here. In fact, I, could, I very well have sinned far worse than anyone else. 
But Lord, you made a way for us. You took the weight of sin and death onto that cross with you. And you have made us new beings, new people in you. Giving us the opportunity to have right relationship with you again. The gift of eternal life even. So Lord, we're just, we thank you, we honor you, we glorify you in this place, and we remember your sacrifice today. Amen. Amen. You know, the example of communion can be translated into how we should interact with people. Have we prepared to have people over? Is the coffee on? Are the floors cleaned? Is everything set out just right, anticipating their arrival? Have we invited others to join us, right? No, if you go through the effort of putting together like a big roast beef dinner with all the fixings and you don't invite anyone over, sorry, I should have said like a big lobster feast spread or something out here, but you get the idea. If we go through all the effort to create this big spread of a meal and we tell no one, then we have nothing to anticipate. Have we invited people to join us to come to the table? We always have room for more. That should be the mentality, that there is always room at the table. There is always room for more people. Oh, even if this room gets packed to the brims and we can't pack any more people in, we'll do a second service. I'm game. If we have to blow a wall out somewhere and figure it out, we'll do that too. But there's always room for more. How we love people will also show how we love God and follow him. Because Jesus' mission was about the people. Ours should be too. The two are tied together to love God and love people. You know, maybe, maybe this is all new to you. Maybe it's all Greek to you, right? This whole idea of Jesus dying on a cross, being raised again, and taking all of our sins, all of our shortcomings, all of our failures on himself to make it possible for us to be in right relation with Jesus, with God again, to give us eternal life in him. You know, maybe that's all new to you. Well, if you want to accept his invitation, his gift of salvation, it's really simple. All we have to do is confess that he is Lord and Savior and believe in him. And we're in. So today, if that's you, if you're here in this room or if you're here joining us online, I want to pray a prayer and I'm just going to have you repeat it after me. And praying is just talking to God. It's talking to Jesus just like you talk to me or to someone else. That's what prayer is, but we're talking to Jesus. So we're going to do a prayer. And if that's you, I'd love to connect with you after the service. Um, shoot us a message if you're online and either to our Facebook messenger or Instagram, DM us or you can email us however you want to. If you're here in person, I'd love to meet you after the service, but let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the sacrifice you did for me. I thank you that you laid down your life, took my sin, my shame, my failures, my shortcomings onto you that you died on that cross, you rose again, victorious over sin and death, making it possible for me to be in relation with you. So Jesus, 
I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. I welcome you into my heart, and I choose to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you did that for the first time, there is a celebration happening. And honestly, this is like the best day of the rest of your life. It's the first day of the rest of your life because a life following Jesus is living life to the fullest. You know, Easter is coming, church. The table's set. The coffee will be on. It's Java Moose coffee too, by the way. Yeah, I'm excited. Things are being prepared, and we are praying that Jesus will be preparing hearts. Jesus is the only one who can save, but we can point people to him. It's time to get on the rooftops and invite everyone we can. Remember the Great Commission to go into the world and make disciples. This is a command of Jesus, and it's up to us to be obedient or not. So we have more door hangers and invites. They're in the lobby on the brown table as you're heading out today. Grab as many as you want. If you want to take a whole stack, I'll go get more, okay? We want to extend the invitation to as many people as we possibly can this Easter because we're believing that God is on mission in our communities and that he has plans for this church and for this area. Amen? Amen. And then also, if you're joining us online and you can't get the ones that are printed and here, we have digital invites for you on our website, fwcchurch.ca. You can save it, post it on your social media, and it's just another great way of inviting people. This Easter, let's shine our lights bright for all to see. Let's love God and love people. Amen? Be blessed, church, as you go this week. Grab as many of those as you possibly can. And we will see you next week for Easter Sunday.